We take a single episode of a science fiction TV series and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. This is the Fusion Patrol Podcast. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Ben. And tonight we're looking at the Blake 7 episode, Headhunter by Roger Parks. Avon and the gang are attempting to recruit Mueller, an advanced cyberneticist who studied under Ensor, the creator of ORAC. Tarrant and Villa are dispatched to fetch Mueller from his place of work. When they arrive, Mueller is in a hurry to escape because they have been discovered. When they leave, Tarrant grabs a box. But when Mueller sees it aboard the Scorpio, he goes berserk. And they have to hit him to restrain him. He dies. Much to the chagrin of everyone who needed him alive. On the flight back, with Mueller's body stored in cryogenics, every time Villa attempts to open the box, something goes wrong on the Scorpio. Even Slave is acting, well, let's say uppity, until they reach the point where they have to turn him off and fly the ship manually. Orak, monitoring the situation, insists that the ship be placed in total quarantine and not allowed to land. But when they attempt to enforce the quarantine, life support systems aboard the Scorpio go out, endangering the life of Tarrant and Villa. Orak insists that they do not help them, but even Avon must concede that he has to rescue his friends. They bring them down, breaking the quarantine. Orak is now frantic in his warnings that they must turn him off, hide him, hide the key. But he will not give reasons other than contamination. When they attempt to retrieve Mueller's body from the ship, they find that life support is backed on, and the body is gone. Somehow, on the base, Mueller is now attempting to find Orak. He kills his wife, and when they try to stop him, it turns out his head fell off. Well, actually, it wasn't really his head, because he is not Mueller. He is Mueller's headless android, and inside the box is his head, with a limiter built in, to keep him from being the dangerous, deadly android that he is. Oh yeah, one other thing. He has a circuit controlling device that allows him to take over any computer, any electronics, anything. It is now time for the machines to rise up and take over. All he needs is Orac to complete his godlike transcendence and rule all organic life form in his, well, robotic boot print. They run around the base a lot and eventually devise a low-tech way to kill him. The end. Okay, that's going to have to do. I'm afraid. <laughs> that's going to have to do. This story barely warrants a recap. Uh, wait, I'm getting ahead of myself. What did you think of this story, Ben? Uh, apparently differently than you did. Um, I will say that it surprised me. Okay. And it may continue to surprise me uh, throughout the course of this conversation. <laughs> Are you saying you liked it? I'm saying that it was not what I expected. Okay. Uh, and it may continue to be not what I expected during the course of this conversation. Ah, you watched a different episode. No, I don't. I, like, I, I don't hate this episode. I, I just... Um... It's the Barbara Bain of Blake 7. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> That's not nice. This episode had Linda Bellingham in it. That's true. She's Yeah, she's pretty cool. The Inquisitor from Trial of a Time Lord. That's right. And she actually has an expression. Oh, there I go again. I'm sorry. 
Uh, yes, yes, indeed, she did. I, I got to stop. <clears throat> I, but yes, actually, I did. I did like her a lot. Yeah, it was nice seeing her. That was an interesting situation to I mean, story wise, why was she there? You know, the weird thing when I when she came on, I kept getting the weirdest feeling. Well, I mean, a I recognized her from Trial of Time Lord, but I kept thinking, I feel like I'm supposed to know who this person is. Do you think it was just meant to be a a guest role for a famous name? I don't know if the, if this was a meant, meant to be some kind of stunt casting or what, but the way she was just thrown in there, I, I just kept feeling like, have we seen her before? Has she actually been on this show? Is she a recurring character? I'm not sure anymore. Uh, and then you know, did the research and discovered, no, this is the first time she's played this character on Blake 7. So, wow, kind of odd the way she's just thrown in there. As if she was supposed to be some really key figure, except maybe to flesh out the scenes between, you know, with Avon um, back at base. Yeah, it's like thinking of logistics. Does it make sense for them to retrieve his wife, bring her back to the base, and then uh, and then get him? I mean, he—I I don't know. It, it just didn't quite make any sense. And then the fact that they go out of their way to point out that—and I don't want to say she's useless because that's not that's not what I'm getting at. But in other words. Their relationship was more recreational, as mm. Avon put it. And so she doesn't know anything about his work. So she is literally there to be killed by Mueller when he arrives, I think. No, she's, she's, she's fodder. There's no question about it. But she's – I don't know. I, that, that part kind of confused me. And whenever I see things like that, I start thinking, is it filler? Did they do that just to give a little bit more time or uh, uh, something in there? I, I, I don't know. Anyway, I think the idea, um, again, coming back to what we've seen, Avon is trying to recruit an army of scientists to fight against the Federation. Here's another example of that. Go Team Avon. I love the team he's assembled so far. Oh, wait. He hasn't gotten what anyone team? yet. <clears throat> Not one scientist yet has nope. survived the Avon team building exercise uh, that we've got going. So they find a brilliant cyberneticist who may even be more brilliant than Ensor. And um, I, the fact, okay, the name Headhunter. Mm, that's, this is not my definition of a headhunter. There's really no headhunting going on in this. No, episode. not really. This, this was I a mean, very yes, bizarre play on words. Off. Yeah, he yeah, ripped this, his head This off. is a whole plan words. That's all. That's all this is. It's it, this is somebody's idea. You know, maybe it's Roger Parks or I, 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 I don't know, who, but who someone's idea. Some brilliant episodes in the past. Oh yeah, voices from the past, Children of Auron. Yeah, I mean, they were not the worst. Not the worst episodes in the bunch, but they weren't exactly what I would call stellar. I was going to say, Voice of the Past is pretty close. Yeah, uh, but yeah, uh, I mean, if it weren't for Travis's. Uh, uh, oui, mon ami. <laughs> that one, but uh, yeah. Um, performance that saved that episode from total abysmal failure. Um, so, yeah. Um, you know, it is really just kind of a, period, a series of set pieces. Uh, we go to get, pick the guy up and they find the gruesome body. And they do see the gruesome body. I, 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 over, I underplayed it in the... Uh, in the recap, but um, uh, I don't know that Terrence saw that the head was ripped off. Maybe he would have caught on and said, but you know, okay, 
clever idea. Android needs to disguise himself as someone. He rips the head off of his creator. He sticks it on the top of his body as a sort of disguise. That works just as long as you don't have to open your eyes, blink your eyes, move your mouth, talk. Right. So it was a little, you know, that part was kind of, you shouldn't see it coming um, until he blew him up in the head. Unfortunately, it was very easily telegraphed. I, I kind of, I, I, I don't know. It's been so long since I saw it for the first time that you know. Now I know that Headhunter refers to them ripping the head off. I don't know why I still don't know why that's Headhunter, but um, impersonating him, yes, having a fake face, having a fake head, yeah. But but the idea of sticking his actual physical flesh head on there and and working it like a puppet gives me a little. Eh, well, gives there's me a little pause there. Well, there's a lot uh, about this episode that gives me pause. Uh, I one of the things that really kind of um, bothered me was uh, the way the android was constructed. Um, he's got the governor or the limiter that is in the head, but that's clearly not where his CPU is. Yes, that makes a certain amount of sense. The head is nothing more. Well, you know, does the head need to be? Does does the CPU need to be in a head if you're building an Android? I mean, yeah, okay, let's talk Mr. Data for a second. Yes, his brain is in his head, but why? I mean, it's the outside is cosmetic. Right. So I mean, I, you, you can it, have it anything just, up there. It just struck me as odd that the governor would, you know, the limiter would be complete, uh, a totally separate entity. I'll tell you what struck me as odd, that he has a limiter – that it was obviously very robust because they must have realized that the android had extremely dangerous capabilities, and it was in a box, not on the android. Well, so my my question is okay, yeah, and that that that's a good point. Uh, why why design the android that way? But what I always thought was kind of weird is um, why couldn't the limiter or the inhibitor and and the CPU, why couldn't they all be part of the same component? I mean, I don't care where it is. I mean, it could be in his chest. It could be in his back. Mm-hmm. It could be in his knee. I don't care. Why not – why such two completely separate components? It strikes me as a very bad idea unless um, – okay. How about this one? I got this. I got this. That was his manservant head. But they've also got his war head. No pun intended. So it's got a different limiter in it that limits him from, I don't know, killing people on his own side. So he's like a warrior android. So they just swap out different heads with different sets of limitations. It's it's like a mix and match uh, android set. And uh, that's uh, best I got. You don't got this. I, <clears throat> Sorry. Nice try. No, actually, it's not. No, that, that, no. <laughs> You know, the warhead could have, like, horns, like a Viking. Well, that'd be far out. That would. That would be a cool spiky thing with a Viking. Maybe big red eyes that are kind of like that. That would be awesome. Scare your Demon android. Demon Demon android. Android. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. I mean, if we're going to go down that road, sure. Why the hell not? Uh, No, it it just struck me as such a a really strange construction idea. Um, And then, again, what was the purpose of the android anyway? I mean, obviously, it was supposed to be some kind of a weapon. We know that, but was what it supposed was, to be a weapon? Well, th- th- well, Avon was kind of hinting at it. 
Avon was hinting he could use it as a weapon, but that doesn't mean it was built. You could use Orac as I, a weapon. Yeah, but he could. It wasn't but built what was it? Yes, but what was the Android? Yeah, that's a good point. What was the Android actually built for? I well, and I'm stretching a little bit here, but I'm gonna say I think there's enough clues in the episode to say this because it could be there. So just as Orac is the culminating glory of the brilliance of Ensor, this android was meant to be the end-all, be-all of Mueller, the brilliant protege of Ensor. So I think it's an act of ego. It's, it's the ultimate act of the cyberneticist's abilities. He's created this uber android and because he creates androids and it takes over stuff because that was this clever idea I had when I was making it. So in other words, Mueller was nothing more than Dr. Frankenstein. Thank you, Mary Shelley. (laughs) Yes, that's exactly right. Actually, now that you say it, that's exactly right. Um, It's another one of those. Um, well, I mean, that is the theme of this story. It is. Really and that's is now actually, that you mention it, Orak it, it, is the smart one here, too. Yeah, he is. Who because, um, yeah, well, yeah, and what I, and at the very end, not to jump to the very end of the episode, but clearly, yeah, he is the wise one because, uh, you know, after uh, Tarrant and Dana destroy the android, uh, Avon completely goes off on them and, you know, just calls them, you know, morons and idiots and, and uh, you know, you're fools. You know, for like getting in the way of science, and and there's Orac. He says an arrogance, Avon, like yours and Mueller's, which threatens to destroy. Well, and that's the Frankenstein. That's right. That's the that's the Frankenstein effect. That's right the there. And thing. And I. And since you brought that line up, I. It's an interesting thing. Immediately after that, Avon's response is, "Shut up." And Orac's yes. last words. Master, master, and which I thought was uh, that was a deliberate thing, and and I don't that I believe was Orac's way of trying to drive home the point. It was his way of driving home the point. Exactly, he was making a point, but it also is making another point. We have sort of debated this a little bit in the past, but I'm going to come back to it here. Orac is no matter how arrogant and no matter how uh, irascible and unwilling. Orac has been programmed to do what he's told. Pretty much, yeah. He he shuts up. He does not believe, if that's what you want to say, in dominion of, of machines over man. He shuts up when Avon tells him to, even though he's a little bit snarky about it uh, on the way down, to, to point out the difference between him and the android. And, and that's fine. Slave, we know will do what you're told unless it's under the influence of the android. Mm-hmm. And it still comes back to Zen is the only computer that wouldn't always obey. Right. The commands. So that is such an opportunity that was lost when Zen was still with us because they just, just like the powers of Orac, when they set up a fascinating premise with Zen being a computer that isn't subservient, he is, but he reserves the right not to be. Which we and saw very it. seldom. Very seldom. And then they lost that. And and I can you know, only think of, I think there's the episode where they had to rescue Gan by flying across the dangerous zone. And Zen just basically said, yeah, 
not doing it and turned himself off. So he was willing to die, then follow their orders. Mm-hmm. Even though by turning himself off, they still went ahead and did the thing he wouldn't want done. So anyway, um, just, you know, Blake 7 has always had this kind of flitting around with what we don't see too many computers as it is. Uh, what What is the, the role in the place of a computer? And, of course, here, the computer is Frankenstein's monster. Um, almost literally, considering the way it walks around. and Exactly, yeah. With the abnormal head. <laughs> Abby Normal's head. Yes. Um, oh, I didn't know Barbara Bain's face was there. Sorry. Oh, God, oh, I am just... Like you are on I'm being, fire today. I am, and if I am she just were on fire, so, we wouldn't be able to tell. I, I know, because her face wouldn't move. <laughs> I'm on fire. I'm burning. I'm burning. I'm burning. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> well, this went off the rails really fast. Yeah, it did. I, and it's not our fault. It's Roger Park's fault. Um, That's right. I don't know if I put the... Uh, I don't know if I put the line down, but I love the line where... Um, Orak is trying to talk uh, once he's begun to be taken over because uh, Sulin is turning him on. Who got something to do in this episode? I might add, keeps hey, turning him Sulin. on once in a while. Um, she actually, she actually had scenes, scenes, and she did well. Yes, she did. But where he's saying, "Join us, Sulin. We can fulfill your every desire." <laughs> And, and her look at him like you wouldn't know where to start. You wouldn't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, good bit there. It was. So what else do we have then in this episode? Um, a lot of filler. Lots. Lots of filler there. There's, there's, yeah, there's the whole space flight back and, and. Um, there's the rescue of Tarrant and Villa. Mm-hmm. Freezing in the ship and the not wanting to get the head and the yeah, freezing in the ship and there's ice everywhere. Hmm. I wonder how all that ice got there. I didn't know the atmosphere was that humid. Anyway, well, you know, uh, Villa and Tarrant are breathing a lot, mm. a lot in order for that much ice to deposit. But I'm that's just picking nits. Except I know. To me, there's their spacesuit should have solved that problem. But okay, never mind. Oh, those Flash Gordon outfits. Those were awesome. Those were bizarre. That is a bizarre space outfit. It was, yeah. Those didn't even have a neck on them. No, they didn't. Like, they just come down over your chin. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whoever designed those is just... I I don't even... I don't know what they were thinking. You know, I'm sure it's the same person who designed those flashy new sparkly Federation outfits with the big pads on the shoulder. I was thinking it was the same person who who designed those... uh, Michelin men guard outfits that we saw back in, well, I think it was series one. Well, nobody designed those. They borrowed those. Oh, that's right. They borrowed those. That's right. <clears throat> the aesthetic, uh, well, I mean, it's the same well, aesthetic we had for the space rats. Well, and, it certainly uh, wasn't Servalin's dressmaker, that's for sure. Well, she wasn't in this episode, so yeah. No, well, we didn't. Servalin's dressmaker, I, I don't know much about dresses, but um, I think they put some time and effort into her dresses. Oh, Absolutely. And this looked kind of a little haphazard and not well thought out. I hope we don't see them again. I hope not either, because they were silly. We've got this android chasing him around the base. They try to blow it up. It wants them all dead. It wants to take over. They seem to think that machines will take over. Uh, yeah, that the survival of this android will... the This one android, uh, regardless of whether it 
manages to find Orak or not, although I think the implication is that it eventually would, uh, would spell eventually the complete downfall for humanity. Let's, uh, let, all right, let's look at that. Uh, let's, let's, let's examine it. Let's try to, to pull something out of this episode that's worthy of talking about. Oh, good luck. Could it happen? Could it happen? Yes. If, if something right now, look, look at our present state of technology. If something right now, one Android and a, and a computer could completely force all electronics to work or not work the way it wants to. So now our microphone doesn't work for this podcast and we can't microphone and the vacuum cleaner doesn't work and the refrigerator doesn't work and the TVs are out and the lights are out and everything. Oh, it could bring down economy in a heartbeat. All it's got it because I mean, really, uh, money is nothing more than just bits of data these days. And, and banks, they just, you know, institutions, they just simply share that data back and forth. Something like that. I mean, it 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 could really it could cripple okay. Okay. humanity. Yes. It, could, it could it could destroy civilization. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna deny that that would that would destroy us civilization wise. But would that really take us to the point where we couldn't devise a plan and oh, I take don't think it back? So. No, I, I don't. I, that I don't believe. Could this android start building more androids that accomplish the same task? He didn't really seem like he was that. Uh, up to mankind's capabilities, and we haven't seen a whole lot of automated machines making machines. So, you know, could ORAC reprogram the 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 robotics factory on Roboto two, uh, and and have them start making the androids, and then send out an army of them? I I don't know. But even if they didn't, couldn't we come up with non technological solutions to win back? Oh, I'm sure we could. I'm sure that there'd be some way. I mean, humans uh, can be terribly resourceful. I mean, you know, and I'm, I, I, I don't want to go down the whole Frankenstein path again. But if if you, if humans are capable of creating something as diabolical or as potentially diabolical as as an android, uh, I'm sure when resources are pooled that humanity would at some point eventually triumph. I mean, now, we've seen this kind of thing. Uh, it, it's been a staple in science fiction uh, about the robot overlords. And there's there's been movies about it that have really depicted humanity really being um, in, in, the, in the grip of what the, the, the computer uh, masters have done. But in each one of those stories... It always shows that humanity somehow is clever enough, just clever enough to think really irrationally and circumvent uh, the the logical mind uh, that 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 uh, it, you'd find in the computer. That it, it would do something that's so completely outrageous, so bonkers that the 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 robot overlords couldn't foresee that. So I mean, we keep saying that humanity does eventually win because of our um, our creativity and our irrationality. Yeah, I, I'm just, I'm just thinking. You know, in in all of the space we have seen in Blake Seven, most of the planets aren't particularly very far along to begin with. Uh, you know, yes, there's some of the colony worlds are quite developed, but most of them are hell holes with people grubbing out a limit like peasants in King Arthur's 
Monty Python stuff. Just look at Voice of uh, not Voice of the Path, but what was the what was the what was the one hostage? <laughs> you know, just people are just living on rocks out there. So what are they going to do? I mean, how, how are the machines going to take over and rule those people? There's, there's, they're, they're not going to. There's, there's no technology to rule them with. So, I, I'm just, I, I get, I, I get the notion. That it's like, oh my gosh, just, just think what happens when um, your power goes out. Um, we had a, we had a power outage here. Well, I actually had some power outages earlier this week, but that's another story that that delayed us recording this podcast. Uh, it's almost as if. Mueller's android was trying to stop it. Hmm. Hmm. But, no, we had a, a power failure uh, on my block a, a couple, three years ago in July. And our power was out for 24 hours, Ew. 48 in hours. Oh, in July? In July. Wow. We had to abandon the house. Oh, yeah. We had to, we had to just go get a hotel room and, and absolutely. And there was no option. Uh, we lost all the food. We lost, you know, uh, uh, it was it was appalling. You couldn't you couldn't live in Phoenix without electricity. Absolutely. In July, or at least we were not prepared to do so. I mean, people used to live without air conditioning in Phoenix, but they had different types of houses, and they you know slept outside at night, and 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 it's just not something that we could do. So so I I get the notion that says without technology, you're you're like, what would we do without the internet? What would we do without without our phones and and without power? And of course, technology keeps the water running, and so yeah, it's a it's going to be bad. Well, technology. But, uh, I mean, the argument could be made that uh, with technology being what it is, that it has made us soft. And I, I would agree with that. I mean, we're not quite as hardy as you know the pioneers that came over from who knows where and settled in these parts way back before we had such amenities. But after after a time, um, humanity would toughen up. Pressure makes diamonds. Absolutely. So I I think that th- this presented as sort of foregone conclusion. That's it. You're done. You're over. He gets yeah, I didn't buy into it. it. It's, I, I did it. not buy into it at all. Uh, might, you know, and it would make a TV show I would not want to watch because I don't like post-apocalyptic. Oh, I loathe them, and you, we've had that discussion already too. I think they're horrible. But uh, I, I think we would claw our way back, and absolutely, we would. Humanity would triumph. Uh, yeah, well, that's the only thing. I mean, unless it, unless they found some way, the robot overlords managed to find some way to uh, come up with something like you know organic. You know, a bacteria or something that destroys all organic well, life. What would they do? And, and that's the other thing. Join to us, Sulin. Join us. We can For what fulfill purpose? whatever desire. Why? Join you to do what? What? What do you exactly. want us to do? Yeah. Do they need servitor drones that are humans? Can't they just build machines that would do the job better? I know. It, 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 yeah, it, the premise is, is completely flawed. So, I, I, yeah. So, no, I don't like the threat. i tell you what I did find kind of interesting, though. Well, a couple things interesting. I uh, try to anyway. Uh, they are, of course, on Zenon base, and they escape outside, which, as we know, used to be where the Seska and the the not Seska um, mm-hmm. <laughs> fought. But they, at the end of the episode, they said, "We shall move far from this place." So the the area around Zenon base is now presumably uninhabited. 
there's a hydroelectric dam there. You know, this planet's planet's looking a little nicer than it did there for a while. They had had power supplies they could generate up and rivers and, and very... Picturesque sort of small footbridges. Nice settings, yes. Not, um, it was quite nice looking. Is not okay. He can't stop falling water. Wasn't that the that that was the reason why they could use the water wheel generator to generate the power to electrify the bridge to incapacitate the android? And it was on the house that Jack built. And um, in case that sentence wasn't long enough. <laughs> And it seemed to me like there was some circuitry stuff there in all that. There's got to be some. Can they take over capacitors? Can they take over resistors? Or is it only integrated circuits? You know, there's another level. It's like, so could, uh, you know, that android, could he stop a bullet? Could, Could he stop a gun that wasn't a fancy dancy electronic gun, but instead a gun that used gunpowder and... That had zero electronics. That's right. So and he couldn't stop a dam, although maybe he didn't realize he was supposed to be stopping a, or a hydroelectric power plant. Uh, but it sure seemed with all the light bulbs and stuff. Once they got the switches going, um, yeah, that that there must have been something that if he could influence all kinds of electronics, then he should have. Those are electronics of a sort. Well, and again, maybe it's uh, only those electronics that he is aware of. Maybe he had absolutely zero clue. Uh, of this kind of plan, so only stuff with terial cells. The uh, maybe the I don't know. Orc can take over. I, I maybe don't. oh, Orac can take. Hmm, wow, that's a novel idea. Yeah, Orac could already do this. Yes, I well, I don't know. Could Orac have taken over a gun? So maybe this is Orac plus. You know, um, well, but Orac he needed Orac over all computers with terial yeah. cells. But that's not all electronics. So all right. Um, and then just the one other thing that I thought was funny is uh, th- there's that line of dialogue that says something to the effect of, do you remember that hydroelectric power plant that we found? Yeah, uh, get over there and get it going. It's like, okay. So when they get to the hydroelectric uh, power plant, um, they have to push open the door. Yeah. Because the thing has never been... There's, you know, never nobody's been, been inside of it, and there's cobwebs, and there's stuff propped up against the door. Against that's the door. There. Yeah. How did they know it was inside there if, if they've, they've never been, been in there? Been to know in there what, yeah, they have no idea what it's all about. Exactly. And who would find a hydroelectric power plant when you're out exploring the area and go, huh, hydroelectric power plant? Well, you know, I see. we'll go take a look inside. Yeah, I, today. I, I see with my little, you know, I spot my little eye, something that begins with an H. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because they had nothing better to do at the time. Because Scorpio couldn't go very fast and they couldn't go very far. So they scoped out the planet. Yeah. Yeah. So actually, it looks to me like if they'd been trapped without Zen and base, they would have been fine and they could have lived uh, out there anyway because it was vegetation and there's water and power and stuff. So actually, the planet was not as bad as they they originally uh, made it out to be. I I got nothing unless we just want to laugh at Avon's acting. I didn't think it was that bad. Bad. Is it the clothes? Is it the fact that they've put him in that that bulky padded outfit that makes him look so much bigger than he has in previous years, or has he gotten fat and they're hiding that in the suit? Yeah, hmm, he that's looks a good very different than he has in the past, and I, I I cannot tell whether that is just we need to do a Shatner here or um, 
they're trying to make him look different or more imposing or something. I, it's I a good question. Don't know. Uh, uh, he did. He did look a little bit different. What I thought was interesting is just his, uh, some of the character development that we've seen. I mean, we've had this this chat about Avon and and you know, what kind of a person is he? Where does his you know where does his loyalties really lie? And and one line that I thought was interesting is when Orak is trying to talk Avon into literally sacrificing Tarrant and Villa. I know where you're going. I got this. Yeah, go. Yeah. And uh, and. When when Orak tells him that, he says, you'll have to do better than that, Orak, if you expect me to kill them. And he did it in a, in a very weird, you'll have to do better than that if you expect me to kill them. Kill them. His eyes buggy and stuff. So it wasn't an angry thing. It was like you could see his... Dilemma? Conscience, yes, playing across his eyes as he was... Doing that, it's like, yeah, I know it's the logical thing to do, but I, I can't, I'm going to have to. Mm. But at some point, something has happened, much like that one time he rescues Blake and, you know, Blake, you know, commented roughly, and I'm paraphrasing, you know, I, I didn't expect you to do that. And, and Avon's like, neither did I. So it, it shows that there is something there underneath the surface. And we've always kind of suspected it that it was there. Uh, but this is yet another crack in that veneer mm-hmm. where we get to see that Avon is not just a heartless, cold pragmatist, that there there really is something of, of a heart. It, it may be completely buried under a lot of crust uh, or a lot of Botox, but it's there. Oh, God, did I do that? I'm sorry. Um, you did. But, you did. Sh- I did do that. Man, I, I, I need to be stopped. Um, but it, it shows that there is there is some depth. Yeah, and we, we've always again we've always known that it's there, but it's it's kind of ref- I guess you could say it's kind of refreshing to see every now and then, especially involving. We, we've always suspected that he he does have something of a soft spot for Villa, but now we're also kind of getting it, it's it's implied that it's there with Tarrant as well, and that oh. Tarrant is not just a resource, but somebody that on some level maybe he actually does kind of sort of tolerate. Or trust is in more like trust is a good word. Yeah, that's a good word. But the problem is, to me, he's playing pantomime Avon this year. He yeah, just yeah. is not quite. It's like you know, turn it up to eleven. Um, play him. I, I yeah, I'm 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 not happy with it. Frankly, the 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 play Avon is of course my favorite character in the series. He's many many people's favorite character in the series. I'm not going to say he's everyone's favorite character in the series. I, I don't. But a lot of people I don't really what's do. What's wrong with those people who don't think that? But but you know. <laughs> but there, there's a good reason why so many people really love the character and and how uh, a lot of people love to refer to the series as Avon's Seven. And that's when it became really good. Uh, in the past two or past three series, we've seen a certain dryness to it, uh, to everything that, that Paul Darrow delivered, the, uh, whether it was sarcastic, angry, whatever, it had a, a dryness to its delivery. And no, now it is, it is over the top. There is too much so that it does feel like, it, it does feel like Panto almost. Hmm. But, you know, the series has been taken over by a different producer, and it's yeah. got an all-new look and aesthetic, and they like those Flash Gordon spacesuits, and, you know, 
it, it, is, it is not the show it once was. No, it wasn't. And I think that's one of the reasons why I don't re- I'm not really picking on Avon per se, because as far as I'm concerned, what we're getting out of him now is just you know, part and parcel of the entire series this year. Well, I get to say one more thing before we turn it over, unless you have anything else. And not really, is, no. That is, this is the last Roger Parks episode. I think we're going to have a few more of those, not Roger Park specifically, but there's going to be a few finals? more writers that when we hit around, it's going to be the final. And of course, unfortunately, we're also approaching the final Robert Holmes story, too. <gasps> oh, now that's going to be a heartbreak. I know. That one is the one that, uh, and, and of course, I think at some point we're approaching the final Terry Nation story, too. So. I'd be well, curious about the final Robert Holmes because we've had. Two of his now, if I'm not mistaken, and Blake. Mm. Second one I didn't sure care three. for, but uh, I, th- I think we've only had two so far. We have had. We've had three? We have had uh, the one we just saw, Traitor. Uh, we had Gambit. Eh. We had – Gambit is, is uh, frequently cited as one of the favorites for the entire series for a lot of people. I'm trying um, to know which one that is. That is the Camp – Space camp oh. episode. Oh, 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 oh yes. Cervalon with a dove and and, they, and Avon breaking the bank. And, and people love that one? Yeah. I yeah. like the episode because it's so bizarre. Well, it, it's it's very demented, but I, I didn't it's got really a lot care of for it. Amusing dialogue. And, anyway, it's and a strange episode. And then there's the one you like, which is, I cannot think of the name of it. To save my life, um, that's a shame. But it's it's the the planet with the the scientists, the mummy. Yes, yes, yes. I loved that episode. I mean, that to me, that was Robert Holmes writing at its finest. So, yep, we're. I'll be interested to see fourth and final. Okay, I'll be interested to see uh, what this last one is. I'm I'm hoping that you know he knocked it out of the park. In some ways, he knocked it out of the park. Ooh, I'm, okay, I'm looking forward to this one. <laughs> I said looking forward ways. to it. Uh, in and, some ways. Uh, <laughs> it's like like all of the four seasons. There's some interesting bits there. Um, in a strange, strange mixture. Uh, I don't even know what the next one is. Uh, I suppose I could just look her at the uh, Wikipedia and say that the next one is Assassin, Assassin by David Sullivan Proudfoot. I actually know this one. I know this episode. It's I remember the guy who wrote Star Drive. Uh-huh. And, oh, wait. No, I'm sorry. I'm looking at the director. My apology. It's by Rod Beecham. I feel like I should know that name. I do not. I don't, th- I don't think he's written another episode of Blake 7. So I think this is his one and only. Perhaps. I remember it, though. We got one more Tanith Lee. And uh, oh, we have no more Terry Nation. Sorry, we've passed the last one. Anyway. What? We have passed the last Terry Nation episode. No. Wikipedia says we have. No. I don't believe so. Uh, we've got one left. The one that was written by Chris Boucher. Well, that was it? Uh-huh. Anyway, I next look that time, up. I... when we talk about Blake 7, it will be Assassin. Probably be about the League of Assassins and Raja Ghul. And, and... Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Ben, thank you for joining me. Oh, a pleasure. Listeners, I do hope you'll join us all again next time. 
on Fusion Patrol. Cheers. Fusion Patrol is a Lone Locust production. Like us? Please consider becoming our sponsor at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. We'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review on iTunes. Stop by and visit us at our website, fusionpatrol.com. Search for us on Facebook under Fusion Patrol. Check out our Twitter handle at Fusion Patrol. Or just send us an email at feedback at fusionpatrol.com. Please come join the conversation. Our music is Fight the Future by Amberwolf.